So good to be here. Welcome everybody who's here in the room. I also want to welcome everybody who is online. If you're here in the area, let me invite you next week to come to Thursday night service, and then we're going to stay for however long afterwards for some extended time of worship and prayer. It's going to be amazing, and if you've never been a part of that, I encourage you to come. You will enjoy it. It's just a time to flow and the things of God, the things of the Spirit in an unhurried, unrushed way, and it's been awesome. So, third Thursdays. Again, let me welcome everybody here, everybody who's watching online. I'm really excited to uh, continue in this series, The Empowered Church. And uh, you are empowered, and you're empowered to do a lot of good things in this world, and we take the gifts and the calling of God, and, and we use those in some ways that are, you know, very normal and very natural, such as building our families. When you think about building something, you think about building your home. We talked about that fairly recently when we looked at being like a wise person who builds their house on the rock, which is obedience to the word of Christ. And so we, we build our homes, we build our families, we build our lives, we build our careers but one thing I want to encourage you to think about is being a part of building the church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> God wants to work through you to build his church. And it's an amazing privilege to do just that. Rick Warren, I think, put it very well when he said that everybody who wants to fulfill their purpose in life needs Five different things, but the two that I want to point out in particular right now is he says everybody needs a mission outside the church and everybody needs a ministry in the church. And that's what we're talking about right now. Everybody needs a ministry in the church. See, Jesus said that he's building the church. In fact, that's the only institution on earth that Jesus specifically said he was building. Yes, God is involved in every area of life, every facet of civilization. You better believe God is engaged. But only with regard to the church did Jesus say, I will build this thing. I will build my church. And the thing is, Jesus is building his church, but he's doing it through you. He is doing it through you. He is building his church through people. And God has big plans for his church. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that it is through the church that God intends to display his manifold wisdom to all the powers of hell, all the powers of darkness. God is showing his wisdom through you, through the church. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about God building the church through you is this. If Jesus is building the church and he's building it through you, that means he's put something in you. There is something that flows from the life of Jesus. There is something that flows from the spirit of Jesus in you and through you to build his church. And we just can't really be all that God intends for us to be if we're not applying ourselves, if we're not giving Jesus the opportunity to do what he said he wants to do through his family, 
through the church. So what he's put in us for that purpose, we call spiritual gifts. And there are a few different lists of gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament. One is Romans 12, and we're not going to read through all this, but Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, lists several gifts, one of which is prophesying, that is speaking forth through the power of God, serving, which could be very mundane, very ordinary, teaching, encouraging, just giving somebody a word of encouragement is a spiritual gift, a gift of giving, and all of us are gifted in some ways to give, but some people are more supernaturally gifted to give, giving, leadership, and mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gives what is probably the most popular list of spiritual gifts, the charismatic gifts, and we being a charismatic slash Pentecostal church, we love these gifts and we believe that every single one is still operative in the church today. And Paul lists the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy again, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Three primary categories that people have applied to that. Gifts of power, gifts of revelation, gifts of, of miracles. So we, we love the, those kinds of gifts, gifts of, of knowledge and power and miracles. And then verse 28 of that same chapter lists some of those things again, but adds a couple of more gifts, the gifts of helping, gifts of helping, gifts of helps, as it's sometimes been translated, and the gift of administration. And some people would even add from Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the sake of building up the church. So there are multiple lists. And the thing about multiple lists, they're not all the same. And I think it's very safe to say that because they're not all the same, Paul didn't intend for any one of those lists to be exhaustive. Paul didn't intend for any one of those lists to, to say these are the only gifts and no more. In fact, the Bible talks about other things, other roles that we might play within the family of God. And, you know, I believe that any role that God would call us to requires giftedness to fulfill the role. And so, you know, you might say when the Bible says that we should practice hospitality. He's going to give us the gift of practicing hospitality. We, uh, in other words, whatever God is wanting us to do, whatever he's wanting you to do, whatever he's called you to do, he is gifting you for that purpose. And uh, I believe it's important to get to know these gifts and, you know, maybe even take a spiritual gifts test and find out which one more... Uh, is more suited for you or you're more suited for it. But what we're going to do right now is not go through all these different gifts and explain them all. What we're going to do instead is really get to know some principles that we need to have in place. If we really want the gifts to be operative in our own lives, in our church, in our world, we need to understand some principles behind those gifts. We need to understand some of the whys and hows and, and, and some of the reasons that God wants to work through these gifts. And uh, God, God doesn't just give us gifts so that we can brag about ourselves. 
He doesn't give us gifts just to show off how spiritual we are. And even though you cannot fulfill your destiny without fulfilling God's call on your life, which means without operating in the gifts necessary for that call, you cannot fulfill your destiny without the gifts of the Spirit. But they're not about your destiny. They're not about you. As we'll see, the gifts are about God's agenda. And God's agenda has to do with his kingdom and the manifestation of his kingdom on earth. And the church has the primary role in that. And so why do gifts operate? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to go through a few verses that have to do with the why, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Leave that on the screen just for a second. About the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So you can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, and then you can operate in those gifts in a destructive way, in a way that's not helpful, in a way that does not fulfill God's plan or purpose. And that was the case with the Corinthian church. In fact, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I praise God that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. And yet, a few chapters later, he's like, man, you guys don't know what you're doing. So you, you can have the gifts and not know what you're doing. And so we want to make sure we understand. We, we want to be informed. And, you know, the uh, King James Version says, I don't want you to be ignorant. <laughs> so we don't want to be ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. That uninformed is a probably more palatable uh, translation of that word. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Jump down to that. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Jump down to verse 25. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We're going to put some focus here on verse 7. Verse 7 says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's a really short verse. I I could probably memorize that right here in front of you. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. How well did I do on that? Yeah, I think I got it. I think I hit it. it. Even though that's short, This one verse is packed with significance with regard to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things that we see about the gifts of the Spirit, and this would apply to any of the lists or any of the roles to which God is calling his people. 
So, when we embrace the gifts of the Spirit, when we embrace God's purpose, when we serve in a way that depends upon God to conduct that service, which we should be doing, it gets you beyond yourself. And Christianity ought not to be a selfish religion. We have to get beyond ourselves. Gifts of the Spirit are really in some ways a reminder that we are dependent on God to fulfill his will for our lives. It's not about our own power. They are gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit, not manifestations of your talent, not manifestations of your educational level. They are gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times, how God gifts you fits in perfectly with some of the talents that you've already developed in life. In other words, God creates you in a way that matches how he made you. And so it's not a surprise that gifts of the Spirit come alongside talents that we've perhaps already discovered. The gifts of the Spirit very often fit your personality. Although, let me just say, because you have a bold kind of spiritual gift doesn't mean you should be obnoxious. Just want to say that. <laughs> but gifts of the Spirit sometimes fit our personalities. That they fit our roles in life. In other words, God's, he's a practical God. He's very practical. He, he works with you as you are, but then he comes along with the gifts and take you, takes you beyond where you are, beyond just who you are apart from him. You know, I, I love that about spiritual gifts. And because it's a matter of learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times it, it works a lot of the same way as when we develop talents. You know, if you want to, to operate in a gift of the Spirit, you have to learn how to flow with the Spirit in that gift. You have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You can grow and develop in your exercise of those gifts. If you have a gift of speaking or prophecy or anything like that, you can grow in that. And a lot of times the only way you know that you have a gift is to step out and begin exercising it and putting it into practice, and you'll find that you learn better and better how to flow with God in that. Now, th this is really awkward for me to say, I know, but I don't think I'm being conceited when I say, I believe I have a gift for preaching. I believe I have a gift for speaking the word of the Lord. I, I just believe that. In fact, here's what I think. It would be conceited for me to get up and stand in front of people week after week after week if I thought I was just doing it in my own strength. So, let me just say, once I was invited to speak at another church, doesn't happen very often, but it happened, and uh, I thought, man, two or three weeks ago, I preached a sermon that was just powerful, got a great response, man, it, it was a great sermon, and I'll just preach that, save me a little time and preparation, they had never heard me preach it before, it was fresh in my heart and my spirit, I thought, man, this is going to be a great, great sermon, it's going to be powerful, I felt confident that it would go well. As the date of my speaking engagement got closer, I decided, well, you know, 
I ought to listen to the recording of that sermon just to get refreshed. When I listened to it, do you know what happened to my confidence? It went to zero. Why? Not because it was bad. It was so good. And I'm not bragging about myself. That sermon was so good, I got scared because I started thinking, I can't repeat that this Sunday because that wasn't me. That was too good to be me. My preacher professor used to say, you know, sometimes God makes us wiser than we are smart, you know? And, and it was one of those sermons. And, of course, what that did is it reminded me, I'm not doing this on my own. I didn't just study up and, you know, even though I used my commentaries and my exegesis and all that kind of thing, you know, it wasn't just a matter of putting together a nice sermon. It was when I preached it, there was anointing there. And I thought, if I'm going to have any impact in this church where I'm speaking on this coming weekend, I, I, I better get the anointing. I need Jesus. I need his help. The gifts of the Spirit remind us that we need God's help. We need his spirit to be moving and working in us if we're going to accomplish anything of any value. Remember, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the gifts of the spirit are a reminder of that. They are manifestations of the spirit. They're not the manifestations of Ed or Brenda or Anna or Emily or any. What? They are manifestations of the spirit. And even if sometimes they look mundane, and they involve a lot of hard work and a lot of self-sacrifice and a lot of intentionality and growth and practice. Ultimately, they're not manifestations of us. They're manifestations of the Spirit. That's what makes them so awesome. So gifts of the Spirit get you out, get, get you out of yourself. They also get you out of yourself in another way because in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it's a manifestation of the Spirit, and it's not for you. It's for everybody around you. It's for the common good. It's not about you. The gifts of the Spirit are about doing the work of Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit, and if you read further in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, 14, they are about building up the body of Christ. They are about building up the church. They are about blessing other people, particularly within the family of God, and then equipping us to go out beyond the walls of the church. One of the big problems with American Christianity is that we're so individualistic. That's a chief characteristic of our culture, and it has permeated the church. And we think it's all about us. Even ministries, ministries that I like, ministries that I might watch on TV from time to time, ministries that talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God and are so encouraging when I hear those messages are all about you and me as individuals. Think about it. Next time you hear one of your favorite preachers, listen, what do, what do they talk about? They talk about your purpose, your vision, your dreams, your miracle, your breakthrough. Yeah, we need that. We need it. But that's not what the gifts of the Spirit are about. They're about the common good, 
They're about building up the family of God. See, religion is just focused on self and how we look and how we get along and, and how we get by. That kind of religion is the same religion as practiced by the scribes and Pharisees who opposed Jesus. Oh. So we have to understand that these gifts are for the common good. As verse 7 says again, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So they're of the Spirit for the common good. Here's another key principle. And this is something that maybe the uh, Corinthian church didn't understand very well. To each one, a gift of the Spirit is given. Each one. If you come to Christ right now with this message, I, I'm telling you there's a gift of the Spirit that's implanted within you. And you'll discover more and you'll grow in the gifts of the Spirit. But each one, if you belong to Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, he's gifted you for something. Each one. You're not left out. Doesn't matter whether you're a mature Christian or brand new baby believer. Doesn't matter whether you're an old person or a little child. You know, I love this phrase and it's not original with me. Children do not get a junior Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, we had a video promoting our big day of service, a day of outreach in the community. And uh, that particular Sunday, we were promoting families going out and serving together. And that's a great idea because your children see that, you know, church and, and what you do is not all about just you and your family. We, we serve other people. And I, I love that idea, but I thought to myself as I was watching that video, which showed a lot of kids serving, wow, Victory Church is a church that really believes in child labor. <laughs> Do you know that, Kylie? <laughs> I, I'm just joking. We, we, we don't believe in child labor, but we do believe in this, child giftedness. Child giftedness. Just recently, I was with the Curlin family. Jacob is our pastoral care pastor, leads the freedom ministry we have here. And we were with the family, and they have a 10-year-old daughter named Mira. And uh, they were telling us about a time fairly recently when they were uh, at a restaurant, and little Mira, 10-year-old Mira, ordered a hamburger, and she told the waitress, this is the best hamburger I've ever had. And uh, the waitress said, let me go get the chef. She got the chef. She brought the chef out. And little Mira, 10-year-old Mira, was like, this is the best hamburger I ever had. And it, when she said that, tears came to the young man's eyes. He's about a 22-year-old chef. And he went back to the kitchen as quick as he could. The waitress came out a little bit later and said, that young man is back there in the back just bawling his eyes out because of what you said. And, you know, as we're talking about that, you know, Jacob and Lisa and Amanda and I, we're like, man, we, we live in a hurting world. And no telling, you know, what was going on in that young man's life that just a 10-year-old saying, you know, this is the best hamburger I've ever had, touched him so deeply. What hurt must have been there? But then, you know, I went home from my time with the Curlins and was working on this sermon, and I was thinking about this story, and I realized that's, that's not 
a story just about a need out there. That's a story about a 10-year-old who has a gift of encouragement that's in one of the lists who spoke this and something supernatural happened when she said that to the young man and it touched him in a way that if I just said, great hamburger, dude, oh, thanks. There was a spiritual gift operating there. And of course, I mentioned that to Jacob afterwards. They're like, yeah, it is. And I, I truly believe that. You know, so it, it doesn't matter where you are in life and what your role is, what your status is in society. To each one, a gift has been given. Another principle that Paul makes really clear in 1 Corinthians 12 is that all gifts matter. Every single one. Every single one. The Corinthian church was guilty of spiritual elitism where only certain you know, more demonstrative gifts counted. Probably speaking in tongues was the one that they seemed most to focus on. Great gift, but any gift can be twisted and perverted when we make it about ourselves and we use them as what I call spiritual merit badges where we want to show everybody how spiritual we are. And spiritual elitism keeps the church pressed down because only a few people can be up there. But God wants to lift everybody up. All gifts matter. All people matter, right? So, you know, your gift matters. Your gift matters. One of the best things a church that is suffering from spiritual elitism can do is to let all the hyper-spiritual people go somewhere else. And we've had that happen here at Victory Church years past. We lost all of our spiritual people, a group of about 15 who were kind of self-appointed spiritual elite. And when they left, Within a few months, we had doubled our attendance. I wonder why that was. Because all of a sudden, every gift mattered. Every gift mattered. And I'm telling you, it's true. Every gift matters. Verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And, you know, the church shouldn't be a place. Not everybody's going to have the same level of gifts. Not everybody's going to get to stand on this stage and preach to the people who attend Victory Church. But all gifts should be honored. All gifts should be lifted up. And people are made to suffer when they're made to feel that they're gifting the way God has moved in their lives, the way God is working in them, the way God wants to work through them doesn't count. People suffer when we make people feel that way. And Victory Church is not going to be that kind of church. We, we don't want anybody to suffer for those reasons. We want to honor every single part. You matter. You matter. And your gifts matter to God. They matter to us at Victory Church. So what do you do? Use your gifts to serve. Use your gifts to serve. It's about building up the body of Christ. That's what the gifts are primarily for. Can they be used outside of the body of Christ? You bet. But the common good that Paul is lifting up here and the principles behind the gifts of the Spirit Paul is discussing here all have to do with building up the body of Christ. Find a place and serve. You see some needs in Victory Church? Needs among people? Needs among ministries? Hey, step up. And as you move to meet the needs, even if you don't know your gift, I can guarantee you this. You will begin to discover, wow, 
God worked through me. God, God spoke through me. It was just, I thought it was just complimenting somebody for a hamburger, but man, look at the impact. You might begin praying for somebody. You, you, you might begin encourage, you, you might discover, you will discover that you're gifted. You're gifted. Work to build up the body of Christ. If you make that your goal, my desire is to do what Jesus says is his priority. He's building his church. Therefore, I'm going to love and build his church too because Jesus loves and is building his church. You apply yourself to the things of God like that, your gifts will become evident. If you're intent on his purpose, if you're intent on the common good, if you're intent on building up the family of God, I guarantee you, as you step out and serve where you see that you're needed or where you're invited to serve, it might not be for you in the long run, but as you serve with God's purposes in mind, you will find your spiritual gifts. Now, we offer spiritual gifts tests. We have our growth track, and we help people to understand their giftedness, but a test is never going to show you what you will learn by just putting a gift into practice. How, how are you going to know if you have a gift of healing if you never pray for somebody to be healed? You've got to put it into practice. So what's your next step? Your next step is to take the card that we gave you or go to the website that you can easily find, getvictory.net slash serve, the website that this QR code will take you to if you happen to have one of these empowered cards. And you'll see that there are several different areas of service that we have list, listed. These are not the only areas of potential service at Victory Church, but they are ones that we are prepared for you to step into where you'll find community and begin to discover the gifts of, your, of the Spirit, the gifts that God has given you. We have first serve teams. You know what first serve means? It means that you don't have to be a member of the church to serve there. Why? Because we just really need bodies there? No, because... You know, there are some ministries that are fairly easy to step into, you know, to, to be a greeter at the door. You just need a nice smile, really. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's the beginning step. And, you know, so a first serve team is something that you can just jump into immediately and begin to build connections, relationships, and discover the gifts of your spirit. And you'll find about four different areas under that, like the parking team, the ushers, the greeters, cafe, family teams having to do with children's ministry and youth ministries. You have creative teams not promising you that just because you sign up that you're going to get to sing next week. But, <laughs> you know, there are many areas of, of uh, ministry with creative from the technical side of it to the digital side of it, because there's a lot of stuff going on, like online right now, and the worship team, and everything in between. Outreach teams, big day of service, they don't just happen because, you know, one person puts it all together. There, there are a lot of people involved. Uh, administrative teams, you know, we, we encourage people to complete a connect card, and then processing that, and making sure that, you know, follow-up is able to be brought about. That's very important. Uh, office team, facility team, life group teams. Man, you know, if, if you want to be a leader at Victory Church, 
life groups are wide open, and you know we have you know just dozens and dozens of life groups every semester, and you know all different kinds of topics and uh, focuses, and you know you you can step into that. There are some qualifications, of course, but it's it's kind of a low bar in the sense that we want to help you step into that, and. Uh, when I say low bar, you've you got to be a Christian and you've got to live a biblical lifestyle and all that. But, you know, we're not looking for you to have a Bible college degree or anything like that to be able to lead a life group. We make it very, very attainable for you. And then you don't have any idea what you might want to do. It even has a place where you can fill out, I want to serve, but I need some help finding a team. And we will help you. So I want to encourage you, take some time. If you're watching this online, you're here with us right now, take some time to go to that website, see what the possibilities are, and sign up. You know, Victory Church is in a growth mode. We are growing. We have, this Sunday, 13 baptisms scheduled. Yeah. It's just amazing. People are coming to the Lord. People are being healed. Uh, families are, you know, experiencing God's touch. It is amazing. Our June and July attendance, our record summer month attendance levels for the history of this church, you know, what, 80-something years, almost 90 years. And so uh, it's an amazing time, which means that you're needed. You're needed. And we're not encouraging you to step up and serve just because, Oh, we need somebody. No, we know there are gifts in you just waiting to be released for the benefit of the family of God. You'll be blessed. It's not about your fulfillment. It's not about your purpose. But I can tell you this, there's very little that's more fulfilling than knowing that you're living out God's purpose for your life and the power of the Spirit working in and through you. It's wonderful. It's amazing. And we invite you to that life. It starts with giving your heart to Jesus. You've got to belong to him to be a part of his purposes and his plans. And he has an eternal purpose for your life. He wants you to be with him forever. And the way that comes about is by putting our trust and our faith in the fact that he is God who became human flesh, who died on the cross in spite of living a perfect life, but he was raised from the dead, and that is a guarantee of our resurrection from the dead if we believe he is who he says he is and that he did what the Bible tells us he did. Would you put your faith in him? You can do so right now. The Spirit will come, and he will change your life. So just pray after me. If you're watching online, pray this after me. If you're here in the room with me, pray this after me. I want to invite everybody here Pray it out loud just to encourage those who might be praying for the first time and to reaffirm your own faith. So just say these words after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit. And help me live for you. Show me my spiritual gifts and help me put them into practice. 
I know it'll take time, but I invite you to take over for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give praise to God. Stay with us. Somebody's going to come and share some very important next steps. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Hey, you know what?